Good morning. Welcome to the Overeaters Anonymous Special Focus 100 uh, Recovery from Relapse Meeting. Today is Tuesday and it's February 1st, 2022. So we are delighted this morning to have Sue W. as our speaker. And Sue came to OA in 1980. She is uh, living in Arizona. And uh, without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Sue W. And she will share her experience, strength, and hope with us. Sue, uh, it's all yours. Thank you so much, Paul. And thanks for making room for me at this meeting. I just love coming here. Uh, I am Sue W. And I am a recovered, not cured binge eater and grateful child of God. And I'm going to start with a short prayer. Dear God, give me words that will honor you and offer hope and encouragement to the listeners. And I thank you. That was said by a person who came to this meeting and wanted nothing to do with God or any kind of a higher power because I knew it all. Okay, so I guess there's been some changes over the years. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about what was, what happened, and what is now. And Lee, if you could put the picture up, please, that would be great. Here it comes. Okay, there I am. And let's see if I can see all of it here. Okay, the pictures on the left are basically from high school. Um, the one in the green dress, um, I felt like a huge cow. We didn't have money, so that dress was given to me and it had to be um, opened up for, to fit me. That was a junior prom. Uh, I remember feeling just horrible in that dress. And here I am, average weight at least probably, but anyway, I didn't, I felt terrible. The one right above it is a senior prom. By then I was, I knew how to do starving. So I got into, a, I don't know what size that is, maybe a size nine dress, I'm not sure. Um, but by then I had babysitting money and was able to buy a dress for myself. So that at least I felt a little bit better about myself. The picture right to the, to the right of that is recent one. Here I am. I am at a, a, about 160 pounds, 158, something like that. It's a healthy weight for me. I'm five, six, and uh, I'm happy, and I'm in calm abstinence. So those are before, and those are, are now. The one below those high school pictures, you'll see a gal in this big gal in this white sweater. That is me. Um, I was in treatment at that point for food. I was on disability for mental disorders. And um, I don't know how high my, my weight got because my scale was, went to 230. And I know I was over 230 at that point, um, but I don't know how, how big I got. I really don't. That's the only picture I can see from that era of really heavy. Uh, the next one on the right is my husband and me in 1988. Somehow I made a really good decision and it has been wonderful. It's been 33 years. And honestly, we really have a calm relationship. And the pictures below, the two, uh, the one uh, on the left below, that's my mother. She was, uh, she gained a lot more weight. She's in that black dress, a lot more weight since then. And um, she did die from the illness. And uh, there I was in one of my, one of the thin periods. And uh, then I am in a paddle boat and at a restaurant. At the paddle boat, I'm hiding, trying to hide. I was over 200 then, I know that. I was trying to hide behind my eight pound dog. 
And at the other one, I was trying to hide under a table. I, oh, I look back at this, what's going on? Okay, Lee, thank you for that. I mean, yeah, how do you hide? I, I don't know, I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> that was me, okay. Um, th things were not good for me as a little kid. I, I mean, I had numerous su suicide attempts. My first one, I was age 12 and I had a little diary with this lock on it. And I wrote a will in my diary, age 12, I wrote a will. And who would get my teen magazines? Who would get my pictures of Frankie Avalon? And, and all these people, some of you people don't even know who I'm talking about, but those were the treasures of my life. I had some 45 records. And so what, did, what to do about those? So I wrote out my will. I took pills out of the bathroom cabinet and I woke up the next morning and went to school. I never told about it till I got to program, but I was definitely a troubled little girl. Um, I had a talent of collecting people around me um, that I could blame for my problems. <laughs> I was really good at that. So I developed a good, uh, a good uh, skill at blaming people for anything that went wrong in my life. So that was, that was a comical um, thing for me. Um, and it suited me for many years, it really did. And all of a sudden then I used to watch uh, soap operas and this guy named Lee Baldwin in uh, some soap opera, he went back to drinking. He was always in AA. That's how I heard about AA. He went back to drinking and it crushed me because I like this guy. That affected me in the same year I saw Days of Wine and Roses. Okay, that lady went back out drinking and her husband didn't. Somehow those two things put together got me to meetings. The OA one was obvious because I was crazy in my head. The AA was also obvious. So I went to both. And I've stayed in AA meetings throughout the time. Um, the OA meetings were more of a challenge. Um, I came in underweight and then I, I just, things went kaplooey. Um, abstinence, I didn't know what, what that was about. I didn't understand it. I remembered people coming in and saying, well, in AA you can stop drinking, but OA you still have to eat. I used that statement for 39 years to go to food. I'm helpless. I can't do anything. I've got to eat. Okay. The turnaround came with the pandemic. I'm so grateful. Well, in my life, the pandemic gave me, gave me life. I went to OA online and I listened to a gal. I don't know who she is. She came from Eastern Europe, I believe, lives, I think, somewhere on the West, maybe Arizona. She talked about alcoholic foods and that turned me around because I had not had popcorn for let's say eight years and I decided I could have it. That one bag of popcorn led to many more than to sweets, than to taking secret drives up to Walmart to buy whatever was on sale that day, eating it on the way home in my golf cart, trying to find a way to hide the packages. And I found out that some dumpsters are actually locked. I thought, oh, how rude is that? I've got to find another dumpster to put this in. I can't go home with this stuff. That was my life. And then I'd go home and I'd say, okay, that's the end of it. And it'd start all over again. My dear husband had packages of the popcorn in the cabinet. I would eat through the 12 of them overnight. And then the next day, go back and try to find the same brand, the same whatever it was. So he wouldn't notice. He never noticed. He never noticed me eating his stuff out of the freezer. I would eat so much and then I'd have to get another gallon and eat down to that level. So he wouldn't notice, he never noticed. 
He is not one of us. He eats food. He enjoys food. He doesn't care. I live for food. There was a period in my life when I tried to be controlled. I really did. I tried. I was in a group called Tops, Take Off Pounds Sensibly. About five years I was there. And I did take off the weight from over 200 down to about where I am now. But I really perfected starve, um, restrict and eat, restrict, binge, restrict, binge. I would weigh in, binge, then starve, and then that all over and over again. During that time, I actually asked Jim if he would lock the cabinets. So we put a chain on the cabinets and um, I would tie myself to the bed at night, give me enough string to go to the bathroom, but that was it. Because night was crazy. I could eat three, 4,000 calories overnight. And when Jim went to work and he wasn't home, I, I might have two pizzas for a snack. I mean, my calories were, I don't know how high. So I know I got really big. Okay, that's gone. Here I am now, I'm in the pandemic. They're sending us food, we're in senior living now. They couldn't go anywhere, they sent food up every day and that was wonderful. And I'm going to every single meeting I can find. When I started AA, I went to 90 meetings in 90 days and it stuck. OA in small towns, I didn't find that connection, but now I did. I found it. I found health and healing in these meetings. I wanna show you my AA book. This is from 1980. It is so ragged. I had to get this plastic stuff to put on it. It's ragged, it has been used. And I'll direct you to one story. This is the third edition. It's also in the fourth edition. It's a story called Freedom from Bondage. It is an amazing story. Here I am. And at the end, it talks about praying for someone. And here's my prayer. I prayed for my mother. I didn't put her name there. At that point, I had been finished with the resentment because sponsors had helped me with the fourth steps. I spent eight years away from the family because I needed to get out of that web. And I was part of that web because I blamed her for everything. Anyway, I prayed for her. I prayed for for what I wanted for myself, I prayed that for her. And it was a heartfelt prayer. And that story, Freedom from Bondage, really did help me move from finding people I could blame. I stopped blaming my mother. I learned how to be in a room with her without being terrorized. I knew, I learned little by little how to be comfortable around her. That one picture showed us, me and, me and Jim and her and my dad, and we were having a nice meal together. Eventually, in the later years, Jim and I built a house for them, moved them a couple miles from us in a small town. Um, all, all phenomenal things because I was so scared of her. But I let go of the need for her to love me. There was a book that came out in the 80s, and the title is, What You Think of Me is None of My Business. That title, I read the book at that point. I think it's out, of, I believe it's out of print. But what you think of me is none of my business. That and the program and all these things put together, love of sponsors and good, healthy people has helped me realize that I can't buy someone's love. And I always wanted to do that. I really did. Um, it doesn't work. It, it doesn't happen. So um, there were more miracles between me and my mother before she died. I. Um, I actually came to a life of faith and I was praying with many people all over the world. And I finally had the courage to pray with my mother a couple hours before she died. I asked if I could and she said, yes. 
So I was able to pray for her and pray with her for her. And I don't know what I said, but I did it. And that was huge. That was just a huge thing considering how fearful I was of her. Okay, what, what helped me? What helped me? Okay, over the years, I had some really good healing. Started in 1980, met my husband in 88, made that good decision. What helped? The steps helped. Going to the steps, helping, being with other people. Yes, I wasn't perfect abstinence, but somehow I matured. During that time, I was, I was labeled, I was, I lived a life of manic depression, in and out of psych wards. I was a rapid uh, cycler. And um, I was known at both, both of the psych wards and knew all the staff and knew all the extensions and how to reach people because I was there so often. That, that ended. OA gave me, OA, AA, the whole program, everything, the big book, gave me a way to live. I didn't know how to live. I didn't have order. I didn't have ways to deal with this fear, with deal with terror, deal with trauma. I, I was in a in part of a, a traumatic crime when I was a teenager and that person went to jail and I didn't know how to deal with that. All these different traumas in my life, this program with counseling, with psychiatrists, with some medicine helped me. By the time I met my husband, that whole phase of me was over. I mean, it was unbelievable because you don't get cured from that disease. With my psychiatrist, we, I worked off getting off the medicines. I went to meetings. I got help. And I figured out how to deal with emotions. I did not have a clue about that. I really didn't. But this program gave me, as I said, the outline, the focus, gave me the way of life that was sane. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. I am eternally grateful for that. Another miracle. Here I am, sitting miracle. My story is ups and downs, lots of ups and downs. But here I am. And it's not a failure story either. So in tw uh, 20, uh, 2019 was that popcorn deal. Okay, then I started listening to OA things. By April of 2020, I got hooked into some really, really great meetings. And the hook there is a good word. It's not being hooked on drugs. It's being hooked on, on this stuff. Some really healthy meetings of people who really were abstinent. That was amazing. Real people who, who, huh, who are you? I know you're there and you're little squares in my life, but you're there. Australia, England, and I am learning how to speak English, by the way. I am learning that. Um, but you're real and you're just so loved by me. You're just such a big part of my life. There might be someone here who's the first time at this meeting and you are important to me. I need you. I need you so much. So those things help me. Um, there, I do have a goal, and this is a funny one. I want to be fat. I want to be faithful, available, and teachable. Yes, I want to be fat. That is the best fat I ever want to be. I heard that at Billy Graham's funeral. You may not even know who he is, but that was his goal in life, to be faithful, available, and teachable. And I believe as I look back on those 39 years before I got to the, to the abstinence, well, it would have been 40 years in April of 2020. I was not teachable. I had to keep my smart brain going. I was smart. I worked for grades. I clicked off the assignments. I did the assignments. I was nice to the teacher. I, I did the boards, wiped the boards at night. Um, I did whatever I could to get favor with a teacher and studied hard 
and I got grades. Do you know what? This program doesn't give you any grades. You just get one day. And I thought, what is this? I didn't realize I was saying, what is this? But that's what was going on. I wanted some kind of an award. I wanted to be graduated. I wanted to go around to a master's, a doctor's, whatever degree that, that was. It didn't come. So part of my retraining, my becoming fat is to be the teachable. And I've looked up some definitions of words and they have changed my mind, my life. Reprieve. The governor gives a reprieve. This guy is on death row. The electric chair is set up, a reprieve comes through. For us, for me, it's 24 hours. That's it, all I have. If I start to forget that, I'm in trouble. Every morning I, I pray that I look for warning signs because I do not want my denial to be reactivated. That's where I go. I've got this, I know what I'm doing. I'm better than she is, better than he is. I'm better than that speaker. That is so dangerous for me. Arrogance is horrible. It's funny, it's pride is really a funny thing. I'm either better than everybody or worse than everybody. I was in both places, but now I identify with people. There's a wonderful story in the big book that talks about comparing, not identifying with. I mean, not a comparing myself to you, but identifying with you. Maybe there's something, one little thread in what I'm talking about today that you can identify with that would give you hope. I prayed that hope and encouragement would be offered today through my words. So hopefully that's coming forth in some little tiny bit. It's not me. I'm not going to be a higher power. I'm not on a pedestal. I am sitting at the table with you. We are all at the same table. And I'm so grateful. Page 59 talks about we were at a half measures availed us nothing. We stood at a turning point. And I love pivot. Because I, I was a dancer, I was a ballerina. I love the word pivot. I love to pivot, I do. I can do, still do a grand, uh, a tour jeté if anybody knows what that is. Yeah, I'm 73, I can do a tour jeté. I can pivot, I can do all those moves in my mind. But we stood at a turning point. We asked his protection and care with complete abandon. Do you know I spent about a week looking up the definition of complete abandon. I looked in 1812 dictionaries, in dictionaries from the 30s, and I looked up the derivation of all abandoned. I abandoned it. And one of the words I love that's part of it is banish. I banish it. I push it away. I completely abandon those thoughts, those thoughts that are in my mind, because this is a disease of the mind, as well as an allergy of the body. I push those thoughts away. I cannot entertain them. Every night I do a report. I send it to my sponsor, some people I sponsor and some other friends in the, in the program. So right now I live steps 10, 11, and 12. And I put on that report. And if I see that I'm getting into denial in some way, I report it because I can't hide that in a corner somewhere. I can't. Truthfully, if you came in my house, you can look in every corner, every drawer, everywhere. Stuff is not hidden anymore. I lived a life of secrets when I was younger. I don't have secrets anymore. So with complete abandon, I give these things. And, and that's been a powerful definition for me too. 
In step four, just recently, I, I read the word rampage. Rampage, what is that? Whoa, wait till you hear this one. Ramp is a horse rearing on its back legs and fighting. There are Lippenzers, if I say that correctly, who are fighting horses from Europe. They get on their back legs and they, they, they fight. Okay, that's ramp. Ramp and rage, rampage. Have I been on a rampage? Oh, you wouldn't want to see it. Of course I was. Devouring the food, hating people, talking about people, killing personalities, gossiping, all that kind of garbage. I don't have to be there anymore. It's truly amazing to be calm, to have a calm life. And people have told me, I feel you have a calming presence. I said, well, thank you, because I feel calm. Coming to God was another story. That was, that was a battle. Oh, that was really a big battle. I had to give up prejudice. I knew people who went to church as if they had a membership card, put it into the thing, get, get it stamped for the week, go home and live with however you want it. That was my idea, idea of God, of a relationship, of never being good enough and all kinds of stuff like that. So that's what I grew up with. In program, I met people who were real. And some of them even lost spouses or children to death or houses, uh, all different kinds of disasters hit them, but they had this calm. So I said, I want this. So one of the, oh, there were so many kind old gents in AA. I was the only gal in that, in that group for a long time. And they were all old gents. They were probably 40. <laughs> I don't know how old they were, but they were old gents to me. And they, they said, good orderly direction. Try that little by little. And then I met these people who really had a faith. Things would happen, but they knew that they were protected. They knew they were loved and cared for. So I went on undercover as an interviewer, a detective. I went to them and I asked what happened. And I got my, my data and I started to go where they went to worship. I tried different things. I looked at different things and I came to a faith that is just so phenomenal. I know I'm loved. I know I'm accepted. I know, I know I was known before the creation of the world. I am loved, accepted, and valuable. And it's not because I do things. I don't have to earn this love. Um, that's what's really cool about it. Another good turning point for me was doing step five because I lived, as I said, a life of secrets. Trusting this first sponsor with stuff, we went out to Lake Springfield and um, sat on the rocks there, watched the water, and I read my stuff to her. By the way, I found out I was a bigot. I thought I was so liberal and loved everybody, but, but I found I was bigoted toward people I believe were bigots. So I labeled people as bigots because I don't know why, but I did. So that was a big issue in me, another big issue. Um, but she sat there and listened. I don't know what she said. And then I called her that, that night and I said, okay, can I meet you tomorrow? I've got more. I left the good stuff till later. I wanted to see if she'd still talk to me again. Oh, oh, Sue, yeah, you're funny. Okay, so the next day we did, and whatever I brought out the next day, I don't know what was there, but I got through that. And a lot of my memories of, of who I, these different sponsors, I can't remember. I'm so far away from that Illinois stuff now. I, I don't know, but they, they were helpful. I know I had three major fourth steps over the years. Um, and um, the sponsors were wonderful. 
and I, I sort of defined sponsors in, in my own way. At one point, I needed to learn how to cut grass. I, I could cut grass. I owned a house. I knew, I knew how to do it with a push mower, but I didn't have one of those. So I got an electric mower used somewhere at a garage sale, and I didn't, pulling that string was so hard for me. I got a lawnmower sponsor. So this guy came over and helped me with lawnmower and how to do the gas. And I don't know if I put oil, I don't know what to do with it now. I don't deal with that, but I mean, why not? I asked for help. That was another big deal. I learned how to ask for help. Um, that was cool. Another thing that, uh, a miracle thing, I learned how to trust. Doing that fifth step with all these people was phenomenal. I mean, here I am telling these people all this stuff that I was told to hide in corners somewhere. Well, I realized that if at this age, yeah, I'm still 73, if someone put all that stuff on a billboard with lights and streamers and all kinds of stuff, I'd drive by it and I'd say, yep, I did that. I'm forgiven and amends have been made. It's over. I'm not ashamed anymore. I'm not embarrassed about it anymore. Yeah, it's over. I did amends wherever I could. There's some amends that, that are impossible. So I do them in different ways but I'm free of all that weight of shame because it was, it probably added lots of pounds to me because I was so ashamed. So here I am, <laughs> I'm Sue, I'm recovered. I didn't know what recovered even meant, but now I know that means going through the steps. I've reached the point of neutrality, which is promised after step nine, I'm there. Jim has stuff in, in the house now. It sits there. I don't care. It doesn't bother me. I don't have to cover it up. It's there. It doesn't haunt me. I'm not tied to a, a, the bed anymore. I don't eat overnight. That's over. That's a miracle that's over. Um, it's not a miracle that's over. It's a miracle that has occurred and that whole behavior is over. The crazy behaviors are over for today. And since I don't live in Australia, there's someone there who's ahead of me on abstinence because they're always ahead of us. But I have one day and that's all I have, folks. That's all I have. And I'm grateful for that day. Um, it's really funny how God orchestrated this because I volunteered to be a last minute speaker and I got a half hour warning to be here today. Whoa, isn't that cool? That's what I need because I get so nervous half hour and in that half hour that I knew about it I was actually with the sponsee on a zoom meeting and could listen to her and here I am so God please use this to bring hope and encouragement and hopefully some laughter and lightness yes we do laugh in these rooms um I love all of you I, God bless you all I may never be at a real table with you but I really do appreciate being here and for you making a place for me and um that's it thank you Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Sue, for taking us on that uh, extraordinary journey of your experience, strength, and hope. Um, I, I'd like to read uh, something from um, the uh, story that you uh, shared, Freedom from Bondage. He said, in effect, if you have a resentment you want to be free of, you will, if you will pray for the person or the thing that you resent, you will be free. If you will ask in prayer for everything you want for yourself to be given to them, you will be free. Ask for their health, their prosperity, their happiness, and you will be free. 
even when you don't really want it for them and your prayers are only words and you don't mean it, go ahead and do it anyway. Do it every day for two weeks and you will find you have come to mean it and to want it for them. And you will realize that where you used to feel bitterness and resentment and hatred, you now feel compassionate, understanding and love. And uh, thanks for uh, sharing today, Sue. Thank you so, so much.